This is a Poets and Writers page one author reading. To hear more, visit us at pw.org forward slash multimedia or at soundcloud.com forward slash poets and writers. Toward the middle of my first year of graduate school, Raymond and I started seeing each other more seriously. I couldn't get enough of him. He smelled like vetiver and musk and the jojoba oil he put in his hair. Hours after I'd left him, I would find traces of those scents on my fingers, my neck, my breasts, all those places where we had brushed up against each other, touched. After our first night in bed together, I'd learned that Raymond's father was a preacher at an African Methodist Episcopal church in Philadelphia, and I'd laughed. So that's why I like you, I said. You're the son of a preacher man. You like me, huh? He said with that deep voice that sly grin, as he moved toward me so that we could begin again. It was my first real relationship, and I was so smitten that I felt like I was a living lily of the valley, a rose of Sharon, like an apple tree among the trees of the forest, as my beloved among the young men. I delight to sit in his shade, and his fruit is sweet to my taste. My friend Bethany and I used to read passages from Song of Solomon to each other, crouched beneath the pale blue pews in the empty sanctuary of the First Assemblies of God. It felt illicit to read about all of that flesh, breasts like fawns, necks like ivory towers, in the pages of this holy book. It was an incongruous thrill to feel that flush of desire well up between my legs as Bethany and I giggled through those verses. Where is all of this pleasure coming from, I'd think, my voice getting huskier and huskier with each chapter. Raymond was the closest I'd come to recapturing that feeling, the pleasure as well as the sense of forbiddenness. The fact that he wanted to be with me at all made me feel like I was getting away with some con. He lived on campus in an Escondido village low-rise, and pretty soon I was spending most of my time there. He liked to cook these sumptuous meals, five-hour braises with homemade bread and salads of shaved radishes and fennel. He'd invite all of his colleagues from modern thought and literature, and they would have intense, detailed conversations about things I had never heard of. I'd nod and smile at the mentions of the use of allegory in Ben Okri's Stars of the New Curfew, or generational trauma among diasporic communities. Afterward, I would wash the dishes the way my mother taught me, turning off the water as I soaked down the pots and pans, trying to get rid of the elaborate mess Raymond's cooking always left behind. You're so quiet, he said, coming up behind me to wrap his arms around my waist, to kiss my neck. I haven't read any of the books y'all were talking about. He turned me around to face him, grinned. I almost never let a y'all slip from my lips, and when I did, Raymond seemed to savor it, like a drop of honey on his tongue. That word, used sparingly, thoughtlessly, was the only remaining evidence of my Alabama years. I'd spent a decade carefully burying everything else. Talk about your work, then. Let us know how the mice are doing. I just, I want them to get to know you a little better. I want everyone to see what I see, he said. What did he see, I wondered. I'd usually bat him away so that I could finish washing the dishes. That year was the beginning of my final thesis experiment. I put the mice in a behavioral testing chamber 
a clear walled structure with a lever and a metal tube. I trained the mice to seek reward. When they pressed the lever, ensure it would flood into the tube. Pretty soon, they were pressing the lever as often as possible, drinking their reward with abandon. Once they'd gotten the hang of this, I changed the conditions. When the mice pressed the lever, sometimes they got insure, but sometimes they got a mild foot shock instead. The foot shock was randomized, so there was no pattern for them to figure out. The mice just had to decide if they wanted to keep pressing the lever, keep risking that shock in the pursuit of pleasure. Some of the mice stopped pressing the lever right away. After a shock or two, they did the mouse equivalent of throwing up their hands and never went near the lever again. Some of the mice stopped, but it took some time. They liked the insure enough to keep holding out, hope that the shocks would stop. When they realized that they wouldn't, those mice reluctantly gave up. Then there was the final group of mice, the ones who never stopped. Day after day, shock after shock, they pressed the lever. <laughs>